Hello, and welcome to And Let's Be Heard for Wednesday, August 23rd, 2023. I'm Mike Cachopoli. All right, here we are. We are finally here. We are finally here in the, in the afterglow of the first GOP debate, the afterglow of the first GOP debate. Well, there's a lot to get into, as always. There's a lot to get into, but let me do a little little background here on uh, what I did tonight. I don't know what you did. Maybe you watched it at home. Maybe you just looked at the highlights. Maybe you haven't watched it yet. It's all fine. It's all fine. But I went to the uh, San Francisco GOP debate watch party, which was stuffed in the back of a local bar here in San Francisco, and it was packed. Many more people than I thought were there. We're going to be there, we're there. And of course, it was the hottest day of the year in San Francisco. It was about 80, 81. I know, not nothing for most people in this country, but hot for here because there's no air conditioning here. No one has any air conditioning here. They don't, for some reason, they never invented air conditioning in San Francisco. So, um, well, the invention never reached San Francisco. So it was really hot. But I was in there, it's packed in, and I was watching the, the debate. Now, I was able to catch most of it. Remember, there's the crowd at the debate that was always clapping or booing or doing something, sometimes over the talking of the candidates, which is, always interests me because uh, are you not there for the candidates? Are you there for a debate or do you want to hear yourself yell and boo? Anyway, so I missed some of the dialogue. And of course, there were people at the party who were talking at times. So I missed some of the dialogue, but I caught 90% of it. And um, what was interesting is that obviously you had uh, Farmer Swampy standing right next to DeSantis, but he only has like about three or 4% in the polls. But I guess because Trump wasn't there, that makes him second fiddle at that debate. If Trump was there, he would have been third, right? And pushed a little bit more off to the side. So him and DeSantis were basically at the center, right? They shared the, they shared the center. And uh, a little deceiving, a little deceiving, because Ramaswamy is not, uh, sorry, Swama, Swampy is not doing very well in the polls. So but anyway, the way it was set up, that was the deal. And uh, I thought, for a first debate, I thought everyone pretty much did what they wanted to do. Pretty much everyone did what they were, what they could do, right? What they what they were uh, capable of, which is that there are limitations for some of them, right? I mean, when you're talking about the people on the fringes, there, right? You had uh, Asa Hutchinson, right? Uh, these are like the, like the candidates on the ends who are like, why are they running? Why are they running? Why is H. Hutchinson running? Now, I have to say that except for Farmer Swampy, I liked everyone on that stage. I thought they all did a pretty good job. Um, once again, they all have limitations. Like Hutchinson is an old time GOP guy, right? So he came across that way, but he wants to. He wants to come across as like that old Republican guard that he's hoping enough people want to get back to, you know, pre-Trump drama kind of Republican, uh, tried and true pro-life conservative 
he made it very clear. And he came across, for a guy of his age, he came across pretty well, I thought, right? No, no stumbles, speaks clearly, no, no, no signs of dementia, no signs of any issues. And he, I, thought, I thought he came across well, all right? Why is he there? That's another story. Okay. So then you have uh, Doug Burgum. Is that his name? Doug Burgum? Doug Burgum came across well, I thought. I don't know. Is it Burnham? Burgum? He had hurt his ankle, and he played through it. I give him credit for that. So he was standing on that bad ankle for two hours. There was some talk that he might not be able to be there because it would be odd if he had to sit. But it looked like he was standing to me, right? And uh, I thought that Doug Burgum came across as a, as a legit politician, right? You could see he looks like Mr. North Dakota. He looks like a North Dakota Republican, right? Just looks normal, talks normal. There's no belligerence. There's no anger. He's just sort of that upper Midwestern Republican conservative uh, espouting those ideals. And I thought he came across really well and actually introduced himself to people like me who knew nothing about him. Once again, why is he running? Another question. Okay, forget about that. All right, then we have Nikki Haley. Once again, Nikki Haley comes from this very, um, yeah, I guess you could say neocon in a way background. Once again, you don't have to agree with what she's saying. But basically what she's saying is, I've been there. I get it. I have firsthand experience, right? And this is what I believe. And uh, once again, very, very, governor of South Carolina, come on, very solid conservative pro-life governor, right? And also, I liked her realistic approach with saying, you know, come on, Mike Pence, we're not, you're not going to get Congress to do this. We don't have enough votes for this kind of federal ban on abortion. Plus, the Supreme Court sent it back to the states. That's what Republicans believe in, the states' rights. So I thought she was very kind of like realistic. She got that one zing. You know that she had that one in the chamber about men talk, women do, or something like that. You know, she was just waiting to use that. She had that in the chamber ready to go. Okay, that's fine. They all have those one-liners in the chamber ready to use them when the time comes. But I can tell you that her neocon ways did not come across well to the crowd in the audience, and it certainly didn't come across well to the San Francisco GOP. They didn't particularly care for that, for that idea of, you know, we support Ukraine, we can do stuff at home and also do stuff abroad, we can, we can be the world's policemen. I think Mike Pence said the same thing, which didn't do very well as far as the Ukraine stuff goes, but the pro-life stuff played well. And the idea of I've been there, I have foreign policy experience, so I'm talking from experience, right? And this whole, you know, idea that many, many people in this country hold, both on the right and left, that Putin is a threat. And that we can deal with that threat while we also deal with the problems we have here at home. And we have to deal with that threat. It's a real threat and it's not made up and so on and so forth. Okay. But once again, Nikki Haley was clear spoken and she had her perspective. She had her her, her, her narrative she needed to get through, and she did. So now we're moving along, right, to the really funny dynamic of Chris Christie versus Vivek Ramaswamy. Now, we all know that people might think, well, why is Chris Christie going after Vivek Ramaswamy? Well, because Christie knows, and I know, and you know, and we all know that Vivek is there as the Trump surrogate, right? He is basically, Trump wasn't there 
but his surrogate was, right? Vivek is in this to hurt Ron DeSantis and to help Donald Trump for two reasons. One is, of course, if Trump were to win the primary, he'd hope that Trump would pick him as his VP. And also, which also would be very possible. And also, if Trump has to drop out, which I believe will happen, Vivek wants his sloppy seconds. He wants the cult to come his way, right? Not DeSantis' way. So he's there as the Trump surrogate. So Christie would have been going after Trump if Trump had been there, but he wasn't there. So he went after the Trump surrogate, um, Vivek uh, Farmer Swampy, the fake. Someone wrote the fake Farmer Swampy. And what they really went to battle on a lot was the Trump stuff, right? The idea of the Department of Justice and the idea of, you know, what Trump did. Was it legal? Was it not? Should it be prosecuted? Trump's character, so on and so forth. So remember, Vivek was the Trump surrogate, basically. And uh, I think that Chris Christie did a good job of saying, you know, I am a lawyer. I was a prosecutor. I do know the law. And both Vivek, both Christie and Haley did a very good job of, of uh, going after Vivek's lack of experience, right? She said something like, your lack of foreign policy experience shows. She has it. I don't. I'm a prosecutor. I was a prosecutor. I ran a prosecutor's office. You did no such thing. I know the law. You don't. So that was also, that was, there was a lot of that, right? Now, the, the one thing that, well, not the one thing. There are many hypocrisies when it comes to these Trump people. But how many Trump supporters were criticizing Barack Obama back in 2008, not just Trump supporters, but all Republicans were criticizing, uh, and some Democrats were also criticizing Obama's lack of experience, right? They were saying, we can't elect someone with such lack of experience as president. And remember, Obama was a senator. He was a senator, at least, for about four years. So that's the hypocrisy that these Trump supporters who would talk about Obama's la I was there. I remember them talking about how he's too green to be president. He has no real experience, so on and so forth, right? Isn't that what they were saying with the Obama-McCain battle? That McCain was this tried and true, longtime politician, war veteran, had been there, had been in Congress, knows the political game, knows the political landscape, and Obama's too green. We can't take a chance on someone so green. Yet, Vivek is fine. He'll, he'll make a great president. <laughs> So that's the that's the hypocrisy. Obama was too young and green. Vivek is younger and greener. That's okay. We'll give him a pass because he's the Trump surrogate. And his ass kissing of Trump was just disgusting. I mean, it was totally on display. But another thing that's on display with Vivek is his smarmy, slimy snake oil salesman. I like to call it used car salesman way, which is everything is canned. All of his responses were like canned. They didn't have any real policy in there. They didn't have any real, he didn't really directly answer the questions. They were just kind of pre-canned speeches. He was giving these pre-canned speeches with what come across to me, and I think anyone with any sense of human nature as an incredibly fake smile, fake, fake smile, fake, fake head movements and hand gestures. Everything about him is so slimy and fake, yet... He got a lot of applauses. Now, there was a point where he got booed, and I don't know why. I couldn't hear at that moment. I remember the camera went to him, and there were boos. And there was a 
comment about Twitter on it. And I, I don't know. I'll have to look into it. But there was a moment where he was booed for some reason. But he also got a lot of applause. He got tons of applause for his well-canned speeches. All right. Now, I told people before this debate, Vivek will do very well because used car salesmen, snake oil salesmen do well in these kinds of formats where you have 30 seconds or a minute to just spout. They're very good. He's a good talker. I think I've heard that he wanted to start a podcast or a podcast network before he decided to run for president. Totally understandable. He would make a great podcaster. Absolutely. He talks in very good talk radio sound bites. He's good at that. Believe me, I'm in the business. I know. And so I knew this format would be great for him. I knew it. And it was. So once again, the crowd I was with at the San Francisco GOP, at the end, they did a, a like just a basic straw poll vote by, by applause. Who won the debate? And Vivek got the loudest ovation, followed by DeSantis. And so I went on Twitter and I said, look, I'm here at the SFGOP and I'm telling you, yes, many of us can see through this guy, but a lot of people can't. And he did very well here. Then I was reminded by someone on Twitter that a lot of those people who clapped for Vivek were probably Trump supporters. And they'd be clapping for Trump instead of him if Trump were there. But he's the Trump surrogate. So they were clapping for him, but they were really clapping because he kisses Trump's ass. That's totally correct. That's a great point. So, but the fact of the matter remains is that he's getting that support. So what will happen if Trump isn't there? Well, that's what I said Vivek's all about. He wants to get Trump's sloppy seconds. That's what he wants. So that's basically the whole point of the Vivek Ramaswamy uh, campaign is basically to be there to hurt Ron DeSantis, take as many votes away from Ron DeSantis as possible, therefore helping Trump. And that's his game. And I'm telling you, it, 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 the, he appeals to a lot of people because of the way he talks. Now, remember, I can see through the guy quite easily. And a lot of people, especially DeSantis supporters, can see through him. And I see a lot of people online like Tommy Lahren, other conservatives who used to be in the Trump camp who dislike this guy because they can see through him. But a lot of people can't, which makes sense because a lot of people can't see through Trump. So it would make sense that some of the same voters who love Trump are going to like Vivek Ramaswamy because they buy the shtick, right? They, they fall hook, line and sinker for the shtick which is, I say good sounding things. And by the way, we know that Vivek says different things depending on who he's talked to. We've seen that in the past. He changes what he's saying depending on who he's talking to, what crowd. He knows how to do that. So he tries to appeal to like as many different people at the same time by saying what they want to hear when they want to hear it. He's very good at that. Something happened recently, last couple of days with Vivek and 9-11. And I had a little bit of an argument with one of the people at the at the debate party tonight, I said Vivek is talking about 9-11 truthers and how it was an inside job. And they said to me, no, no, he didn't say that. He was misquoted. Well, if you go online, you'll see he wasn't misquoted. Vivek says he was misquoted, then said something different. But if you go to the original audio tape, Vivek is talking about 9-11 conspiracy theories. Now, why? Why bother with that? Why are we talking about 9-11 in 2023? With all the problems we face 
And as Ron DeSantis has said, if we make this about 2021 and January 6th, we're going to lose. That's exactly what the Democrats want to talk about. They don't want to talk about their failures. They want to talk about Trump's problems, right? So all Vivek is doing is doing more of that, yet going back 20 years earlier. I don't think that in a GOP primary, the 9-11 conspiracy stuff, even hinting at it or talking about it all works. Most of those people don't believe that. They don't believe that Bush and Cheney wanted to destroy the country. They believe Hillary Clinton did. You know, if you're going to pick up on a conspiracy theory running in a GOP debate, talk about Hillary and the pizza, 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 pasta thing. You're better off doing that than talking about 9-11 truther stuff. That's much more of, of, a, of a kind of a independent to left, center left kind of like conspiracy theory stuff. But why even bring it up? Well, he brings it up for a reason. He's not bringing it up for no reason. He wants to appeal to as many factions as possible. So he also wants to appeal to those extremist nutcases, conspiracy theorists who say, oh, look, this guy is going to is going to destroy the deep state. You see the anti he's just doing it to go to be part of like the anti deep staters to play to the anti deep staters. He doesn't believe any of it. He doesn't believe any of this stuff. But he wants to appeal to as many groups as possible. So he says what he has to, to appeal to those groups. That's what he does. It's all pre-planned. So with someone like Vivek Ramaswamy, you don't really know what he believes because he believes everything and nothing. But I knew in this particular format and going forward, as long as he qualifies with uh, votes, with uh, polls and money, he will continue to do well for those two hours. He, could, he does well. Now, I hear people on Twitter saying he was a failure, and those are mostly DeSantis people. Yes, technically, he's a failure. Technically, it was a terrible debate because he didn't really talk about anything, right? And he's easy to see through. But with his group, with the people who like him, right, with the people who fall for his act, he did very well. He did incredibly well, I have to say, once again. The proof was in the applause, right? The proof was in that room that I was in. Um, they put out a video, never back down, the DeSantis folks, um, of Ramaswamy. Here, this shows what a phony the guy is. So there was a line early on in opening statements. And by the way, I don't know why people put so much into opening and closing statements. They're the easiest part of any debate. Those are the pre-written uh, speeches that I believe are even on teleprompters. So I don't know why people go crazy over opening and closing statements, right? That's not on your toes kind of stuff. That's all pre-planned. It's easy. It's a it's a easy home run. But anyway, during his opening statement, he had said something about a you know, skinny kid. No one knows my name. Okay, here's... Here's uh, here he is, and then here's uh, Obama saying basically the sa same thing some several years back. Who the heck is this skinny guy with a funny last name, and what the heck is he doing in the middle of this debate stage? Of a skinny kid with a funny name. Listen, now that everybody's gotten their memorized, pre-prepared slogans out of the way, we can actually have a real discussion now. Who the heck is this? So you talk about memorized, prepared slogans. They have one right there, him plagiarizing Barack Obama. So I think it's quite fair. If he's going to plagiarize Barack Obama, it could, it's, it's just as fair to say, well, are you ready to be president? 
Obama at least were was senator, and he was taken. He had taken a lot of criticism for not being ready. So therefore, are you ready? You want to compare yourself to Obama? Do you want to compare yourself to Obama in GOP primary? Well, go ahead. That's fine. But the fact of the matter is that Obama really wasn't prepared to be president. The people who criticized him for that were kind of right because that first term was full of disasters, stumbles, most coming from his naivete, his naivete of doing the job. And look, experience matters. I've talked about this a million times. Why does experience matter in every other job but this one? Do you want your doctor to have no experience? Do you want your doctor to have been a great businessman? Imagine your surgeon coming in and saying, well, I'm not a, I've never did surgery, but I owned a couple of startups. I slept at a, was that line? I, I slept at a Holiday Inn Express last night. No, of course not. And there's a direct comparison. I don't want to hear that it doesn't matter in politics. So it doesn't matter when you're running the largest country. The, it's not, it doesn't matter when you're the leader of the free world running the largest economy in the world. Doesn't matter. Why? We're not talking about like just getting into politics. We're not talking about someone running for, uh, you know, local office or even Congress. We're talking about President of the United States. So why doesn't experience matter? Why does it only matter in every other profession in the world but this one? Why are there qualifications you must have in every other profession in the world but this one? Why do, why do you have to have more qualifications to be a podiatrist than to be the leader of the free world? Why do you have to have higher qualifications to be a fucking sanitation worker than free leader of the free world? I don't get it. It makes zero sense, and no one can make it make any sense because it doesn't make any sense. It doesn't make any sense. So Vivek did his snake oil salesman, used car salesman job of being able to talk in great, fast sound bites that appeal to the masses. That hit those hot button words that people want to hear. But there was something else that happened in that debate. And you're wondering, Mike, why are you talking about everyone but Ron DeSantis? Well, I'll get there in a second. We saw a lot of this kind of like fighting, screaming back and forth, right, between Christie and Ramaswamy and, and uh, O'Pence and Ramaswamy and, and, and Haley and Ramaswamy. But you notice he didn't get involved in any of that. Ron DeSantis, and this was just, this is just like debate prep 101. But it's brilliant debate prep. And it's that whoever prepped him in the debate, they knew. They knew. Remember the way Ron DeSantis knew about COVID lockdowns and mandates and could see, could see, could see what other people couldn't see and had vision. Well, this debate prep crew could see what was going to happen. They could see that there was going to be shouting, that, that they knew that Christie, not having Trump to go after, was going to go after Vivek, right? And Vivek would have to fight back. And that Pence was going to go after Vivek when it came to the 
January 6th stuff and the Constitution. They knew that. They had the foresight to see this. They knew Haley was going to go after him in relation to his lack of foreign policy. They knew this. And they told Ron, stay above that. Do not get involved. Don't put your hand up. Don't get involved in that shouting. It seemed like there were two different debates going on. There was the Ron DeSantis debate. And then there was the other crazy, crazy kindergarten stuff going on between everybody else, which was just shouting over each other and yelling at each other. And you don't have the experience of this and you are old school and you're too uh, deep state and you're this and you're that. And all Ron DeSantis did was answer each question succinctly, staying on message, whether it was the immigration, right? Fentanyl, close the borders, kill the fucking traffickers. All the stuff he's been talking about, his his belief in the in in, in being pro, pro um, uh, anti-abortion, pro-life, and and also he said something very smart and real, which is that it's a states' rights issue. Republicans have been fighting for it to be a states' rights issue, so Michigan is going to do it differently than Texas. Florida is going to do it differently than New York. Period. It's going to be a states' rights issue. So what exactly does the president have to do with it? Other than the fact he is stridently pro-life, he said he has been pro-life as governor. He's been pro-life before he was governor, and he'll be pro-life as president. But what exactly is the president's role in abortion? Nothing, really, if you want to be realistic and true about it. So his staying on message, and then, of course, the home run with the COVID stuff, which is in the wheelhouse for him with firing Fauci and taking that leadership, not leading from behind, uh, everything, every issue, he simply got his message out there loudly and clearly and looked presidential because he was staying above this fray where all these people were yelling at each other. And that really came across as planned. And he stuck with it. How easy would it have been for him to like get involved in that stuff, right? To want to speak more. That's what a a less um, professional, a less seasoned debater, politician would have done. Would have said, no, no, I want to talk about this too. How about me? He didn't do that. He let them all go after each other and scream and yell and seem kind of, at times what seemed kind of over the top and childish, right? There were a couple of times where I was like, well, why is this person going after this person on this? Why is this person, pay-? it's like they're doing it just because they're supposed to, right? Because they have to. And he really stayed above it all. And then there was a good moment where Brick Bear says, I'm like, crime is up in Florida. And of course, then DeSantis stopped him in his tracks and said, well, is at a 50 year low, which was very important. Uh, and then he also made those great points about removing the Soros prosecutors. So once again, there are things people have talked about, but DeSantis has done it. And that's the key to the Ron DeSantis campaign is that a lot of these people, Farmer Swampy says a lot of things people agree with in this party, a lot of, a lot of you know, things that people can cheer on, you know, and the others have a lot of interesting ideas and speak well, but I have done all of these things that you want the, done in the country, I have done as governor of Florida, which was all he could do, right? 
He was the governor of Florida. So that's the point. I have the experience, I have the know-how, and I've gotten it done. I've gotten legislation passed. I don't have to just sign executive orders. I've gotten the legislature to sign things in because I help them get in with my strong coattails, which is what we'll need to do on the national level. So that that's basically what happened in this debate, right? There were some key moments. There was some zingers. There was some clapping. There was some booing. But I think that Ron DeSantis did exactly what he needed to do. Exactly what he needed to do, right? Which is get his policy out there, get his ideas out there, uh, make people remember how much he's accomplished, his accomplishments, and how he's going to be able to do the same things for the country that he's been able to do in Florida. Now, there's something called spin, right? And the spin machine is out there, obviously. Obviously, the spin machine is out there. And that's a big part of this whole thing. It doesn't matter what happened. We try to control the narrative, right? And they all have their own spin people back in the back rooms trying to spin why they won, right? And that's a big part of this whole game. It really is. Oh, oh by the way, I did, yeah. Ann Coulter brings up a good point. Uh, this whole idea of raise your hand, raise your hand if you believe mankind is contributing to global warming, raise your hand if you... Uh, think Trump is being unfairly treated, raise your hand if this, that. What is this? Like Ann Coulter says, is this is this like kindergarten? This is like infantile. And Tommy Larin also said the same thing. What is this with raise your hand? It's idiotic. A question is more complicated than raising one's hand or not raising one's hand. There's like a real answer to be given to these kinds of questions about Donald Trump and Department of Justice and global warming and all of this stuff. It's not just a hand raise or not. This is not kindergarten. And so these infantile raise your hand questions really have to go. They really, really have to go. That's why the candidates are up there to answer the questions, right? <laughs> to talk about them. Not just, what are we gonna do? Just like a series of raise your hand? How about we just do that? We just do a, a, a debate of just you raise your hand or you don't raise your hand. Is that what you want to do for two hours? It's, it's so stupid. It's idiotic. It's inane. So this whole that, that, that has to go. There shouldn't be any more raise your hand questions at any of these debates. Okay? It's not that simple. It's not as black and white of raising your hand or not raising your hand. We're not six years old here. Uh, another moment as I go through Twitter in the debate, which was interesting, is that uh, Farmer Swampy um, claimed that the U.S. Constitution won us the American Revolution. Of course, it did not. It came years after. The Constitution came after the American Revolution. The Constitution did not win us the American Revolution. So when Ron DeSantis says he's going to fix civics education, maybe he should start with uh, Farmer Swampy. Um, Yeah, you know, there's some moments going through this. Oh, 
Vivek, okay, calling Trump the best president of the 21st century. Well, it's absurd. But if he believes that, why is he running against him? Well, because we know he's not running against him. He's running for him. He's the Trump surrogate. He's there to pick up Trump's sloppy seconds or to get VP and to take out DeSantis. This is why he's there. He's a shill for Trump. That's why. Because if you believe, if you truly believe, why would you run against the best president of the 21st century? That doesn't make any sense. And in the past, when he's kissed Trump's ass incessantly, 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 he's been asked, well, why are you running against him? He's been asked. And he gives the most ridiculous answer in the world, which is, well, yeah, he's great, but we need younger. Well, why do you need younger? Have you said he's deteriorating? No, he's never said that. So, okay, say he's the best president in the 21st century, but he has deteriorated where he shouldn't be president for four more years. But he hasn't said that. He hasn't said that, Vivek. Vivek has said that he's the best president in the 21st century, full stop. So why are you running against the best president of the 21st century? Well, come on. The answer is he's not running against him. He's running for him. That's what he's doing. Okay, let's see. Who's this? Oh, Karthik. Hey, Karthik. Hey, Mikey C., what's up, man? How's it go? Did you watch it? Did you watch of it? Of course, I watched it just for you. <laughs> because if I didn't see it, how would we get to talk about it? You're like, oh shit, I don't want to watch this stuff, but I watch it for Mike. <laughs> no, no, no. I, I saw it because it's a good laugh, you know. Because because these debates are really just for comedy. Like, there's no, there's, there's nothing serious about them. Actually, well, I don't find them comedic. I just find them usually facile. You know, it's like there's not enough when you have eight people up there for two hours where they get twenty seconds and a fucking bell rings. We know that's not real debate, right? It's not. Yeah, and I, I got so sick of Mike Pence talking about Jesus and Reagan, man. All right, well, all right. I'm going to get into – I want to get your thoughts. I want to get your feeling. I'm going to go through all the candidates and you oh, tell me what you think. Well, I know who the candidates are. I'm just going to ask – yeah, but I'm going to ask you your opinions of all of them. That's oh, all. Okay, no, okay. I thought, I thought you were going to give like a long I'm time. going to – what do you call it? Uh, uh, you know – Anyway, I'm going to give you the names and you tell me what you think. We'll yeah. do it like it's a Freudian thing. You can give me your, your sure. thoughts on each camp. Uh, okay, compartmentalize. That's the word I want to talk about. Okay, but Pence. Oh, we'll start with Pence. You well, just said Mike, like, he's trying to be, like, he seems to like, be like, the, uh, of, like the, the, the biggest Jesus and the biggest like, uh, Reagan freak, you know? Like, I'm, I'm, I'm like 50% convinced that he, he's like some sort of a, a, a necrophiliac and he wants to bring Ronald Reagan back from the grave and fuck him. Well, but, a lot of Republicans just, feel that way, though. They yeah, I'm, I'm talking about in the debate, though. Like, but but I think look, Pence does talk about religion too much, and Reagan today too. God, but I but I think unlike a lot of people who run for office, especially Republicans, and fake being religious like Trump, Pence is really is. I think it's real. I don't think it's like an act. <laughs> that doesn't make it any better, man. Like they, this oh, guy, of course it does. Being genuine. And real, sure, but no, but he thinks like, like he th he's so ridiculous. Like he thinks that like Jesus is gonna like you know end crime or like his answer to crime was like Jesus. It's so ridiculous. He, no, it wasn't. His answer to crime wasn't his. No, his, no. it was such and, ridiculous shit, man. No, it's Amer America can accomplish a lot. Is his With thing. Jesus. okay, dude? No, okay, no, I I think he had Jesus for some other answer. But well, was, you know what he wants to do, Pence. He wants to be the more optimistic guy. We're not. It's not the dark end of times days. 
we're America, we're optimistic, we can accomplish a lot with real leadership, right? Isn't that Pence's I, thing? I, I, huge neocon, man. Like, like he wants to like invade every, like, and, and he wants to, sell, and obviously he still supports the war with Ukraine and he wants the war with China, man. Like this guy, he's nuts. And um, but I don't want to, but, but wait a minute. That's what your feelings are about Pence. But I want to know what you thought. In other words, how did he do in the debate? Oh, I thought he did horribly. Like he just seemed like some some washed up tool. Okay, how about Nikki Haley? I thought she was also horrible. Like, sure, I guess she, like she was ridiculous on like Iran. Like she's something like like Iran is gonna invade Israel or something. It's or nuke Israel actually. Such bullshit. No, no, she said that Iran's an important partner for us because they are close to. No, no, she said something about Iran. Sorry, she said something about Israel and uh, fuck, I forget. But she said well, something about. It's, it's, it's strategically an important partner because it's so close to Iran. I think no, that's but what happened was so, 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 so hit her and uh, Ramas Farmaswamy, as you said, <laughs> had that like quick uh, mm -hmm. debate about, you know, like what, like Israel funding. And then I think Ramaswamy said he wants like cut it or whatever, like cut it on our He said something like about that synonymous yeah. with it. Yeah. And then she's like, oh my gosh, no, we can't do that. X, Y, Z, blow my head, whatever. It's, uh, well, but I think what she did was she showed her foreign policy chops, her experience. Yes, her, she, 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 okay, she supported every war in, like, in the last 20 years. Yes, she has lots of history in supporting killing uh, millions of people. We agree on that. She has lots of experience in, in bringing pro-war. Good for her. Right, but it, it, they're still – look, they're still a part of a, – a large part of the Republican Party who believes that, you know, in that kind of American exceptionalism where America – can kind of be the policeman of the world, can, can, yeah, uh, yeah. Being, well, yeah, that, that's why we're the empire, you know, just like the empire in Star Wars, we're, we're the empire. Well, well we, we probably have, have more, uh, uh, military bases in the real world than Palpatine had in Star Wars. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, we have a thousand uh, around there. But once again, I think, I think Nikki Haley sp speaks well. She, she defends her positions, whether you agree with them or not. And <laughs> she shows that she has some experience and she's not like a, you know, she's not a newbie. Dude, she's doing horrible in the polls, but she's at like 2% or I don't care about polls. I'm just talking about how they came across, what they wanted to do, and how Dude, they came Nobody across. likes her, man. Like she, she's going to go nowhere. Like, I, I, she, she, she's just there. I'll tell you. She got a plant of Boeing and Raytheon. Like, like she her, got some good applause at that debate. And she got a lot of applause like, at my uh, debate you know, watch. Who's in the debate? Because you can't buy a ticket. It's not like people like me and you that are debating. No, people. I know a regular guy. I know but, regular people who got in. I don't know how. Yeah, but, but, tiny percent of people. Like, sure, some are, but it's like 5%. Like, most people. Yeah, but, they're most, but they are Republican voters. So that's yeah, but that's the, okay, well. The most people that are in these debates are like donors and also people that are like very highly connected. That, that's I understand. Like yeah, of course. Eighty, ninety percent of the people because that that because there's like APAC, the oil companies, uh, Ray, Raytheon, Boeing, like you know all, all the donors that you know, like yeah. obviously Wall Street. You know they're they're the main players. You can say. how about uh, Doug Burgum? Burnham, Doug Burgum, Burgum. Was that the was that the governor for from from, from North Dakota? Yes. Okay, I don't remember that much about him because, to be honest, he was like the like he barely he got to talk for like two minutes in the entire two hours, and and also because like he's like the most forgettable person. But you know what? I'll say one thing about him. You know, um, he seems like obviously we disagree on most things, everything pretty much. But he seemed like I guess like the nicest person out of all of them. I don't know. Um, but there, but there is one thing that he said that I thought was nice. Um. Because I think that maybe the question was about crime or whatever. And he said, you know, like America needs 
you know, more small town values, you know, and, and, and like where you get to know your neighbor. And I, I thought that was nice, mm-hmm. you know, because I, I feel like in the modern world, you know, like we're, you know, we hate our neighbors or, we're, you know, we're, we're so much fear in the world, you know, there's so much distrust and mistrust, you know, and because of technology, we're really, you know, a, a very like a individual, well, not individual, it was not happened before, but very like isolated, you know, and obviously America already has like a very like individual uh, philosophy already. So I, I thought that was nice where you talked about, you know, small towns and small town values. I, I assume I, I'm, I'm praising him just for you. I think he came across really well. I think he came across as a – you, you, you put your finger on it, a really nice guy. Yeah. Like, yeah. For, like a normal, for, a normal person. True. You know? But really, like upper Midwest Republican conservative. He did. I mean, very much. Yeah, exactly. he, he didn't seem like, like a total psychopath. Like No. Like, no, and I thought he was – he really came across as too normal for politics. That's what it seemed like to me, you know. But, well, you know, I Bubba, guess that that's why he, he won in the Midwest, you know, because he has those uh, small-time values, let's say. Yeah, 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 exactly. You can see why, yes. You can see why he's a very popular governor in North Dakota. You can see – how about – all right, Asa Hutchinson. <laughs> Asa Hutchinson is like the most – okay, he's pretty much if, – if, if, if Mitch McConnell – became a governor like that's he's like an exact copy of mitch mcconnell there's not yeah he's just like the most standard you know like oh we cut taxes and you know and we're you know i'm against crime and i'm pro cop it's like the most standard like it's the most standard gop pitch ever well kind of like mr old school gop right yeah like and like, old school. He's, yeah he, he's very you know like oh we need to cut taxes even though like that's literally like never helped at all and, you know, like, uh, if, if I'm president, you know, we'll have record low spending. It's like such bullshit, you know? It's like just preaching piece stuff that's, that never worked, but it always helps the uh, donors, you know? But for a guy of his age, came across pretty well, can speak. No dementia there. It seemed like he was pretty. He's not, I don't know how old he is, but he's definitely uh, uh, younger than Biden and Pelosi. And I think even Mitch McConnell. Yeah, yeah. And he comes across as young also, younger you know, in the way I'm, he speaks. Gonna, I, I, I'm, I'm going to look up his age right now just for you because you mentioned it. You go, how about, all right. How about Chris Christie? Uh, well, you know me. I hate Chris Christie. No, Chris. Oh, yeah. He's actually a lot younger than Biden. He's actually he's like 10 years younger. Um, okay. But anyway, so Chris Christie, I, I, I don't know if I said this to you or other people here, but Chris Christie is like the most obvious fake tough guy. Um, there's well. actually. I don't think so. I think Trump is the most obvious fake tough guy. I didn't even well, show up. You know, so. Okay, I'll say this. Ah, well, can the, I feel like at least like Trump, the only, like he has like some tough moments, like not really, like uh, there, there, there's like some moments of the presidency, you know, but anyway, let's get to talk about Chris Christie first. Um, I, do, do you remember that, that moment where he compared uh, a farmer Swami to Obama? But then Pharmaswamy uh, responded with, hey, I didn't hug Chris Christie like, like you did, man. I mean, I didn't hug Obama like you did, Chris. That, that was hilarious. Well, Remember? there's two things about that. One is Pharmaswamy uh, directly ripped off Obama's opening statement. Of, oh, I'm, yeah. I'm I, a young, skinny guy with a funny name. Why am I here? Sure, yeah. and, and remember, Pharmaswampy didn't say in the words of Barack Obama, so he plagiarized it. But they found it. It was on the internet yeah, no, in five I, seconds. Yeah, he, so, yeah, he, so he really wants to be Obama in a way. Yeah, he's definitely been inspired by Obama for sure. We agree on that. Yeah, so basically, what, but here's the thing. Now, we'll talk about Chris Christie's reason for being there, what he did. But the whole idea is that the Republicans were up in arms. Many people were when Obama first ran, that he was too young and didn't have enough experience. And, sure. and he had been senator for four years. Yet the, those or same people... Back. 
Is but those same people think Farmer Swampy is totally ready to be president of the United States. <laughs> so it's yeah. kind of a, you know, it's it's kind of hypocritical to say Obama yeah. at 2008 was not wasn't ready, but this guy is. So yeah, it's a lot of cult mindset. But okay, the, the, I don't hear this before, but I definitely agree with it. Chris Christie is there as just as as a uh, media plant, like MSNBC, CNN. They love him because he just parrots what whatever the talking points they want to air. Like January sixth is the most important day in history. You know, we we got to support Ukraine no matter what. Trump should be in jail. They're, like they're, it's everything you would hear from Rachel Maddow. Like that's it. Well, I think it's it's everything he believes. I really do. I think that yes, part of why he's there is to be the anti. Trump. That's his thing. Where where Farmer Swampy wants to be the Trump surrogate, he wants to be Trump 2.0. Chris Christie really wants to be the 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 Trump, the anti-Trump, right? And so and so because Farmer Swampy is the is the Trump surrogate and Trump wasn't there. Remember, if Trump was there, those interactions would have been between Christie and Trump, not Christie and Oh, it, it would have been hilarious. I did right. Just... It would have been. It would have been fun. But I think he knew that he know Chris Christie knows that Vivek is there as the Trump surrogate, try to take as many votes away from DeSantis, blah, 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 blah. And so he was the guy who was there to go after. And that's what really struck me. And I said this, I think just before you came in this room, there was some there was all this like screaming and kindergarten like behavior between like Christie and Fun. And sometimes they were like yelling at each other and you didn't even know why. Like, why is they going after him for this? Oh, reason? dude, I, I love the moments between uh, Vivek and uh, Chris Christie, man, the, the, those were the best. Well, they were they were good, but they don't necessarily forward the discussion of what w- one can do as president of the country. Not these debates, do you, man? Like, have you ever thought about how, how the president has like pretty much like a, a ultimate power in foreign policy? Mm-hmm. There's like ten percent of the questions are about foreign policy. It's mainly about domestic, yeah. yeah. Which is like because the president is in Congress, like the president can't vote. On any bills, but that's what most of the political discussion about in America right. is. Domestic, like ninety percent is domestic policy. Right. So in that way, it's that. So it's like ninety percent is automatic bullshit. Yeah, I, I, I'm just always so impressed with Ron's ability to stay above the fray and really his control. Because a lot of candidates we see in this kind of thing, when when one is screaming at the other or they're talking over each other, they all want to get in, right? They put their hand up. Let me get in on this. Let me get on the. And he didn't bother. Getting in all of those arguments between Christie and and you, you, you got to break up with Ron, man. He's going to yeah, break yeah, your no, heart. No, 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 not at all, not at all. His debate prep was fantastic. Uh, it did exactly what he needed okay. to do. So this is uh, my record in Florida. This is what I got accomplished, and this is what I'll do for the country, which is really what I you want to do in these debates. You don't want to scream about Obama. And oh, you're Obama light. Oh, you're a war hawk. What is that? I mean, that's kind of like childish. There stuff. are all pro war, like like uh, hawks. no, I don't think so. Not that not that I not that I no. Well, I know you won't like me saying this, but but DeSantis has flip flopped on on. on DeSantis said we need to force him to the peace negotiation. And that's what I, that's no, what I believe. I'm not talking about on the debate. I'm talking about yeah. Know, he's been saying that for a while now. That no more money. They have to be. You know, what happened was, and so in the beginning, he was pro Ukraine war, and then once Trump came out, because he's a politician, he checks the wind. He said, "Oh yeah, yeah, no, I'm against it now." Yeah. Uh, but by the way, Trump has gone back and forth in that whole thing. Also, by the way, yeah, dude, they're politicians. They're all scum. 
you know, well, they're not all scums. They, they, you know, this is it. There are good people who run for politics. There are good people who run for president. There are bad people who run for president. There are good well, doctors. You, there are bad doctors. There are if, good lawyers. There are if, bad lawyers. If, if you're a good person, you get turned evil. You know, it's like it's like it's like policing. You know, there are are no good apples. They're either bad apples or or good apples that conform. Like like, like nobody stays good in certain fields. I'll just say that. So, what do you think happens going forward? To the next uh, okay, I have a question for you first because you've been okay. asking me questions. I have. I've asked you a lot of questions. Who do you, who, 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 who do you think won the debate? Uh, Maybe. Somebody asked me about winning after, and my question, my answer right after, without thinking about it, was, you know, these early debates with eight candidates and two hours, and they all got twenty seconds, and the fucking bells ringing, and they're screaming over each other. I don't think it's about winning or losing. I think it's about doing what you feel as a candidate you need to do, and I got to tell you. I thought most of them did that. I thought DeSantis looked presidential. I thought that Ramaswamy was at his used car salesman best. <laughs> yeah. I, I, you know, Farmer, by the way, it's not Vivek Ramaswamy. It's the fake, the fake Ramaswamy. The oh. These names are coming out fast and furiously on Twitter. Well, you know what? I, I'll continue to call him Ramaswamy. You can call him whatever you yeah, want. Yeah, and I thought that uh, – Chris Christie did what he wanted to do, which was basically attack Trump through Farmer Swampy. Uh, I thought that uh, Mike Pence was doing. Yeah, you're right. He's doing his Reagan thing. You know, I'm the calm one. I'm the I'm the sane person here. I'm going to go back to Republicans over 75. Congrats. Yeah, well, whatever, whatever. But also, I think that um, I, I, I don't think anyone was like a flop uh, as far as no, well, I, think, I hate Farmer Swampy. I can see right through him. but. He, he appealed to the people he likes, which is they, they like this fast talker. They're fooled by it, just like they're fooled by Trump. So these Republicans are fooled by Trump. A lot of them are. There were many people in that room that I was in, in the San Francisco GOP, who were still Trumpers with the Make America Great Again hat. So once again, if, if, if people can be fooled by Trump, they're going to be fooled by Farmer Swampy. It's the way it goes. But what I did notice was that when you look at the whole panel there, it's pretty clear it's not going to be eight people for very long. I don't see how those people on the fringe are going to continue to raise the money or get enough in the polls to continue on into the next few debates. So I think by November, December, I think it'll be down to three or four. Now, here's my question to you. Do you think Trump gets in at some point? Um, that's a good question. Uh, you know what? I, I wouldn't be surprised if he does, but it's tough to say. That, that's a really good question. How long can he allow everyone else to get these bumps? Because we know you get bumps from these well, polls. Yeah, but the good thing is, so I think his number of the polls like 60, 65% right now. So that's it doesn't matter. The polls could be wrong. What if the polls are wrong? No, no, I, I, I know. I'm just saying that that's one measure. But, but I'm but saying if the polls are wrong, yeah, yeah, he's making a wrong. huge mistake, is he but not? Obviously, you know, there, there, there's no real way to know like what specific, you know, his numbers are. But anyway, I think it can really only hurt him, you know, because he's, he's already up so high. He's like a 50-point leader or whatever. So it really can only hurt him at this point, you know? Um, but I do think that uh, uh, Vivek won a debate. Like, he was kind of like the Trump chief. Like, he said he said and acted like a, a lot of the things how that Trump would say if he was here. Well, that's what I mean. He is Trump 2.0. That is. You know, he, yeah, he, I, he, I'm he, saying that. And then I'm saying, and he had, obviously, he had the confidence, you know, he was like, he, he had like the uh, uh, like the uh, fuck you energy, you know. Well, remember he has the Trump supporters behind. Yeah. Now, if if Trump were there, they'd be behind Trump. But since Trump is not there, 
that's yeah. their second their choice their second choice is vivek because he has kissed trump's ass and he's the trump surrogate so in other words he had trump supporters in that audience and he had those trump supporters in my room also so he's using that right obviously like i, I, I thought he did great. i'd cool. say he won yeah, I don't think he won, though. No, I don't think so. I, I think, think if, one. Chris, I, Chris. it depends on what. No, but it depends on what you do believe a debate should be. If you believe a debate to be that you show that you could be the best president, that you are the most presidential, that you have the best ideas, that you are the best person to institute those ideas. I think that's Ron DeSantis. Now, if your idea of a debate is the best fast talker, the best snake oil salesman, the best 20 second soundbite guy. Yeah. I probably agree that it was a VEC, but I knew that before this. I said this kind of a format is great for those kinds of people. It's great for the fast talkers, the snake oil salesmen who have these 20, 30 second clips prepared. Everything he had, though, was pre-prepared. You could see it. It, it. it often had nothing to do directly with the question. It was like when this question's asked this speech, when this question's asked this speech, look at the camera and be very strong and give it. And he did. But I don't think that wins a debate, not in my mind, not as someone who's done them. You know, I think you have to really show that you are the best person prepared to be president and that you're the best person who can be the Democrat. That's another whole issue that we're probably going to get into more as these debates go on. Who's the best person to defeat Biden or Newsom? So, yeah, that so, so Mike, uh, who do you think won the debate tonight? Well, I don't like, I can't do that because I have a horse in the race. Oh, so, my unless my horse totally blocked. You're, you're addicted to dissent. Well, remember, there was a, do you remember the first Obama, or well, you're, you're too young. Do you remember the first Obama-Romney debate when Obama really flopped? Do you remember that one? I actually did see that. So, yes, I do remember. Okay. So, I was, a, a t I hated Romney. I was totally pro Obama. Yeah, but that. Obama did so fucking poorly in the I first debate that I had to admit and most, well, wait a minute, most Obama supporters <laughs> had to admit he was terrible. So unless Ron DeSantis has a, a, a debate like that, you know, I'm not going to say he didn't do well. But so let's put it this way. The, I see grades online and the New York Post, who is certainly not a big DeSantis supporter, already wrote that DeSantis won. So DeSantis is getting a lot of good press. And uh, I think for good reason. I think it's because he did come across. I will get the job done as your president. I won't let you down. I think that was a really, okay. he was really, he was really, he was really uh, on message. And that's the thing about Ron DeSantis. He doesn't get distracted. He doesn't get distracted by fights between other candidates, by talking about the past. And I think something he said really played well with the crowd I was with is that we can't, the Democrats want to make this about the past. The Democrats want us talking about January 6th because it highlights yeah, yeah, that's failures. Very... They don't want to talk about the economy. They don't want to talk about the border. They don't want to talk about any of this stuff. They want to talk about insurrection. And a lot of these candidates play into that. And that's the problem, especially Trump. True. Say again? You know, yeah, obviously, you know, they want to talk about, you know, January 6th and democracy and the trial nonstop. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, I think... I don't like it. I mean, I think Vivek interrupted a lot. I think a few of them did that, but Vivek did it a lot. Well, I, I, think, I, I think that I don't helped. think that come across as, as, as particularly good in these kinds of things. No, I yeah. think in terms of strategy, you know, because he's trying to show that he's the alpha male, you know, 
that's what his uh, uh, yeah, probably uh, I saw him. what do you what do you like him because he put up a video of himself playing tennis you see that thing where he's no, playing no, no, tennis? no I, okay I, I didn't see it but I did hear about it no but that okay dude you act like I, I'm gonna vote for him man As no, you I'm know just me, saying I, the guy I, put I'm the video him. up of himself playing tennis shirtless do you get more cringe than that no no it was it, it was definitely very weird and I'll just tell you the uh the I because I obviously I play tennis and he was not playing well it was all. <laughs> it wasn't much. All I saw was him hitting a couple of but balls. No, I, he was definitely like over. It was all you know, huffing and puffing and overdoing. Like he, okay, there, there, there's no, like he was like trying way too hard for how he was in. Like, like anyway, but no. But what I'm saying is like there was no need for him to try that that hard. But um, well, here's one poll: fifteen hundred voters. DeSantis forty six, Vivek thirty eight, Haley twelve. Okay. Well, good for DeSantis then. You know, I guess you know we disagree. Um, no, I'm but saying I, the two that yeah. did the best were Ron and, and Vivek, the fake. Yeah, Vivek, yeah, whatever. But, um, you know, a big reason why Farmer Swampy is doing so well in the early going is because yeah. he's new and people don't know much about his background. Very few people know about his pharma background, right? They yeah, yeah, he, he was on the board of pharma and he worked for Wall Street. And right. uh, people know this, but I, I don't think you know this either. I'll, I'll surprise you right now. He actually uh, re- re- received uh, – funding from George Soros. Right. And he's not a registered Republican and he didn't even vote in the last like couple of elections. So, you know, but I, what, but yeah, what happens Democrat maybe before, but right, right, what so. happens with these campaigns is people learn this stuff. Eventually. That's why these campaigns are a marathon and not a sprint. Eventually this stuff comes out. And if someone becomes a big enough threat, then ads are put out exposing them for what they are. Yeah, so, there'll you know. be a piece later. Yeah, it'll it'll all come out in the wash, but that's it. When you have all these Republicans who are like anti big pharma, supposedly anti COVID shot, anti and this guy anti Fauci, and this guy is a big pharma guy. A lot of people don't know that, which is why we must spread the name Pharma Swampy far and wide, far and wide. Do you see the uh, uh, interview that Tucker Carlson did for Trump? No, no, I'm not going to watch that. Uh, it was all bullshit. It was like the most softball of soft Trump. Well, I, I, so I know some people who said they're uh, getting rid of uh, uh, Tucker on their what? feed because of it. So I, I hear some people who previously admired Tucker oh, okay. who say they are now taking him off their feed because it was such a bullshit softball interview. Well, yeah, well, like 99% of, of, of interviews are softball anyway. But no, Tucker was like, oh, Trump, Mr. Trump, please tell us, why does the media hate you so much? Tell us how much you're a victim. Oh, God. It was all bullshit. And and it was all like, oh, Trump, um, are you like, I, 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 like uh, re- really good? Or are, are, are you really, really good? <laughs> <laughs> Wait a minute. This is the same guy who's making fun of these people who ask biden about uh ice cream right yeah it was most like softball questions ever well i think i'm really 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 good really 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 good hey tucker three reallys not one not two yeah well i'm I'm happy i i made you laugh that well it's just you know look uh, the fact i'm look the fact i'll play some of the the clips from the debate for people who didn't watch oh i have to go man i think so, 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 so you mentioned Gavin Newsom. Uh, do you think yeah. he'll be the eventual uh, no, nominee in November next year? No, I think he's there. Okay. I told you why Vivek is there. And there are two reasons. One is to be Trump's VP if he makes it. Or to pick up Trump's sloppy seconds if he has to drop out. Yeah, but okay. I think Newsom is, is there in the spotlight in case 
Biden can't run. But in the worst case scenario, he's just gearing up to run in 28. Yeah. Okay. Do you think there's, there's no chance in hell he doesn't run in 28? For sure, for sure. Uh, I agree. Um, you know, and uh, Republicans yeah. are going to have to think if they're not totally in the cult. Do you want an open seat in 28 with Newsom running or do you want an incumbent in 28 with Newsom running is a big difference because we know incumbents rarely lose. So there you go. Yeah. OK. Hey, Mike, I, I got to go. OK, you have any last words? What, what am I dying? What am I priest? No, <laughs> my, last words, uh, my, my last words are Ron DeSantis, 2024. Oh, God. OK, we're, we're never going to stop disagreeing about this, but, you know, it's fine. I, I still like you anyway. Um, hey, but- hey, I might be doing film reviews for a radio station pretty soon. So stay tuned. You mean today? No, I mean, in the future, I might be doing film reviews for a radio station. How is that different than your film reviews on here? It sounds like because more people will hear them. That's why. Okay. <laughs> anyway, I'll see you later. All right. Thanks, Karthik. There he goes. All right. So I'm going to play some clips. Thank you for the in- the uh, input, Karthik. I really appreciate it. I appreciate the, the input. Um, let's see here. There's more stuff here. More stuff here. Uh, oh, spotted in Milwaukee, Trump team whining and dining with a number of top reporters at a steakhouse called Rare, Team Trump, not Trump, and passing out pudding snack packs, a la Ron DeSantis pudding finger story, as well as debate bingo cards to troll the Florida governor. We saw this. Yeah, squares include dismisses polls, wipes not, red tears, blah, blah, blah. Who was there? Dana Bash, Shane Goldmacher, uh, Kristen Welker, Bob Costa, not Costas. Costa, Finn Gomez, Dasha Burns, Rachel Scott, Rick Klein, Josh Dorsey, Rob Crilly, Mario Parker, and David Shalian, along with Chris Lasavita. So a bunch, all these, all these supposedly fair, unbi- unbiased media people were at this wine and dine with the with Team Trump. So there, you know, you get it right there. If you ever had any idea that the media and the Trump campaign aren't working together, take out Ron. Look, we've talked about this for a long time now. We know there's no doubt it's the case. I was shocked to see that the New York Post said DeSantis won the debate. And I was shocked to hear that NBC had some talking heads saying he won the debate. That's that's shocking to me. I would swear they would say that Trump and Vivek won the debate. Um, how about the mugshots? The mugshots. See, to, so tomorrow the Trump mugshots coming out because he wants to stop any moment. Once again, if he thought Ron DeSantis wasn't do so poorly. Why would he do the mugshot tomorrow to stop any momentum that Ron DeSantis has in the debate? He knows DeSantis won. He know he knew it ahead of time that DeSantis was going to do well. So he wanted to do them. Everyone else did their mugshots, what, yesterday and today. And he's doing it the day after the debate to take away any steam to try to change the news cycle. Because we know the people in the news can't cover two things at the same time. It's impossible for them to. They don't have the ability to cover two things. At the same time, uh, here are some clips. Do I want to get to some clips? I guess so. Yeah, here are some clips of the debate, of good moments in the debate, unless you miss. Yeah, this is the New York Post headline. Uh, Ron DeSantis was winner of first 2024 Republican debate, man best suited to unseat Trump. Okay. Uh, everyone on Twitter, a great account to follow is Han Shawnity. No, not Sean Hannity. Han Shawnity. 
at hand Sean today. Everyone on Twitter is talking about the debate. I haven't seen a single tweet about Trump Tucker. So much for Trump grabbing attention. Trump is irrelevant and it shows. Okay. Okay. Let's see what else we can do. Oh, here it is. Okay. Okay. Here's a good. This is about Ukraine. Colonel, President of the United States, your first obligation is to defend our country and its people. And that means. You're sending all this money, but you're not doing what we need to do to secure our own border. We have tens of thousands of people who are being killed because what we're not handling both. And so I am going to declare it a national emergency. I'm I'm not going to send troops to Ukraine, but I am going to send them to our southern border. When these drug pushers are bringing fentanyl across the border, that's going to be the last thing they do. We're going to use force and we're going to leave them stone cold dead. Okay, so there you go. Okay. Ron DeSantis had said a while back that he thought the Ukraine thing was a territorial dispute. Well, it is a territorial dispute. Nikki Haley thinks it's not. Once again, it was so full of shit about these neocons is that in one breath they say Putin's going to, if we let him take over Ukraine, he takes over the world. And in the next breath they say, well, look at how lame their army is. Ukraine's doing so well. So if they can't take over Ukraine, brain surgeons, what makes you think they can take over Poland and NATO and the rest of the world? Of course they can't. Their argument is ridiculously hypocritical and contradictory. So I agree with Ron DeSantis. It is a territorial debate, and we shouldn't be involved. Okay, let's see. This is something from, you know what? Here's something from the, this is a part of a little interview that Hannity did with DeSantis, like moments, 17 minutes exactly, after the debate ended. Look, I think that there's a lot of people that get elected, they overpromise, underdeliver. When when times get really tough, uh, there's a lot of people that aren't going to stay stay in the fire. And what I did in Florida, particularly during COVID, making sure the kids can be in school, protecting everyone's businesses. And By the way, your kids were back in school in August of 2020. Right. And, and I got pilloried for that. But But when I stand my ground for you... You can take that to the bank. I am not going to back down. Uh, I've taken on the left and the Democrats and the media, and we've beaten all those people. And I think that when in Florida, part of the reason I did so well is because people, they knew where I stood, and they knew, look, if the governor says he's going to do something, he's going to do it. He doesn't just make idle promises when he says it, he'll do it. So I think that's the same thing as president. I'm campaigning on a bold agenda. But I am not saying anything that I don't intend to follow through with. And so when I talk about using the military to take on the drug cartels because they're killing tens of thousands of our citizens, we have every right to do it. Uh, I'm going to do it. I'm not just going to get an ops and say, forget about it. So so people should know that uh, now's the time to get it done. I think our country, if we get another four years of this, I don't know if we could bring it back. We recover. OK, so that's a good little post uh, interview snippet there. Uh, there's more stuff. Come, you know, with with DeSantis doing so well in the debate today, and Trump being arraigned and getting the mugshot tomorrow, in a normal country with normal voters, this would be a really good 24-hour news cycle for DeSantis, and really bad 24-hour news cycle for Trump. But we don't have normal voters here. We have inane morons on both sides of the political aisle. How can you even? You have one guy who's just in a debate. The other guy doesn't even attend the debate, right? And he does well, proves he's presidential, right? And the next day, the other guy, his his opponent, gets arraigned, right? <laughs> the fourth time. And to these people, 
to many of these voters, the, the cult especially, that doesn't matter. That doesn't matter. Once again, one guy is not under four indictments, had a great debate. The other guy doesn't even go to the debate, is afraid, too much of a pussy to go to the debate. And he gets arraigned the next day. And yet this is not going to be considered a great 24 hours for DeSantis or a bad 24 hours for Trump simply because of the whack job, nutty country we live in, the crazy country we live in. Any other country, any other country. I'm trying to get to more clips. Let's see. Let's see. Oh, here we go. Okay. Here's a good one. Uh, this this has to do with uh, Soros, I believe, right? Yes. Okay. Let me cue this up. Well, actually, crime's at a 50-year low not in Florida. In, we're, in we're, we're happy with that. Well, the statewide is a 50-year low. And so here's the thing. These hollowed-out cities, this is a symptom of America's decline. And one of the biggest reasons is because you have George Soros funding these radical left-wing district attorneys. They get into office and they right. say they're not going to prosecute crimes. Yeah. They disagree with the inmates start running the asylum. There's one guy in this entire country that's ever done anything about that, me. When we had two of these district attorneys in Florida elected with Soros funding who said they wouldn't do their job, I removed them from their posts. They are gone. And as president, as president, we are going to go after all of these people because they are hurting the quality of life and they are victimizing innocent people in every corner of this country. And it will stop when I get into office. There you go. Another perfect, once again, on message, perfect response, honest, upfront, Great moment. Here's another from the uh, Hannity uh, talking with DeSantis uh, about the decline of America and the accomplishments that DeSantis has uh, done in Florida. You no, know, I thought I she was saying that Laura was saying that she felt you got stronger throughout the night. But I thought your open was particularly strong. And, and it's a message that most Americans believe this is a nation in decline. Then you went into American first policies. Then you talked about Ukraine. You know, we're not securing our borders. Right. Why are we why are we spending all of that money when Europe won't even step up? Yeah, look, I think that uh, the nation's in decline, but this decline's a choice. And we're going to make this choice over the next 18 months. We can reverse the decline. We can restore America. I think it's similar to the late 1970s when Jimmy Carter was president. Uh, a lot of people said it was an age of limits. America wasn't going to be able to be great again. And uh, Ronald Reagan had a different idea. So that's just, I think, what the average American is seeing in their own daily lives. And so in some respects, we can point out all the bad things, and there's a lot of bad things. But I am optimistic that it can be done. You know why? Because we did it in Florida. Everything I laid out in Florida, we accomplished, and the state is boomed. We can do the same thing for the U.S. Okay. Okay, another good one there. Um, so there's a difference between being on message, right, and being as consistent as possible and having canned speeches. And I think we saw that difference between DeSantis and Vivek, which is DeSantis stays on message. He said the same things he has been saying before he got into this race and since he got into the race, right? Where Vivek has these canned speeches. And what we're seeing when we go back and look at videos is he changes it depending on the crowd he's talking to. And it's like a canned sound bites. 
deliver these, Vivek, look into the camera and deliver these canned sound bites with as much passion and determination as you can, which is incredibly easy to do. It's incredibly easy to do. I won't let women sports be ruined by men. Isn't that easy to do? Oh, look at that. There's my little sound bite, right? So I won't let the I will not let the terrorists come in across our southern border and poison our children. We will go back to a great American age. Very simple. Look how easy that is. There's no camera here. I don't even have the makeup and the sound people and the cameras and the lighting. So it's really easy to just deliver these canned speeches, right? These canned comments that play to as many different people as possible, depending on who you're talking to, right? With all these hot button words, right? Of course, that's really simple. Talk show hosts do it all the time, right? That's why people listen. That's people watch their favorite talking head on TV, left or right, because those talking heads look into the camera and very convincingly and passionately and with drama and emotion, Talk, say things that the people watching that television want to hear. And that's what Vivek Swampy is very, very good at. Very good at. They're very, he's very, very good at that. So here's a little bit more of uh, DeSantis talking about his accomplishment. This is during the debate. This is where the nation's report card was the weakest ever for American school children, uh, exposing chronic absenteeism, deep declines uh, for reading and math for 15 year olds and 13 year olds. Governor DeSantis, you would eliminate, you said, the Department of Education. But as president, would you still have a responsibility to fix this crisis as we see? Absolutely. The decline in education is one of the major reasons why our country is in decline. We need education in this country, not indoctrination in this country. And in Florida, Florida, we stood up for what was right. First, we had schools open during COVID, and a lot of the problems that we've seen are because these lockdown states lock their kids out of school for a year, year and a half. That was wrong. We stood up. I took a lot of fire for that. I was uh, I was pilloried by the media, but I stood for our kids. And as president, I'll stand for you and your kids as well. But we have to make sure that what our schools are doing is focusing on solid academics. In Florida, we eliminated critical race theory from our K-12 schools. We eliminated gender ideology from our K-12 schools. And we have elevated the importance of American civics and teaching our kids about the Constitution and the Bill of Rights. As president, I'm going to lead an effort to increase civic understanding and knowledge of our Constitution. We cannot be graduating students that don't have any foundation in what it means to be an American. Mr. The nation's there you go. Another sorry. The hold on here. There you go. Another another clip from the debate. Um, but I think once again, it's it's really easy to give answers people want to hear compared to answers that come from the heart that are honest that might turn some people on and not others, right? Like there are some people in the Republican Party who want every candidate to say that they're going to support Ukraine. There are some in the Republican Party who want every candidate to say that that money needs to end. So what Ron DeSantis is not saying 
support Ukraine, not support Ukraine. What he's saying is we need to get them to the peace table. So no more money. We have to tell them the peace table negotiations. That's how you get our support. Not just this unconditional billions of dollars going to you to keep the campaign going, to keep the the uh, war going. I think that's a fine answer. I think it's a fine answer. It really is. It really, really is. Um, and so that's an answer that's not going to appeal. There were people in that room I was with tonight who that, that answer didn't appeal to them. They want to hear no more money to the Ukraine, like, like uh, Ramaswamy said, right? No more money, period. It's over. That's it. End of the discussion. Well, if you want, if people want to hear that, then I guess you say it because you know people want to hear it and you get brownie points for saying what people want to hear, but not the honest truth of what you maybe believe or the like reality of the situation, right? The, the, the idea of keeping, keep on giving them money unconditionally or the idea of just saying, you know what, we're pulling out, shut up, we're not going to, we're going to block you now. I think it's ridiculous. I think the idea of getting them to the peace table to have some kind of a peace negotiation and end to the war is what the president of the United States should be doing. But you, obviously you can't do that just for you continue to send money with no incentive to end the war and the money keeps the war going. So that's part of that. Um, let's see here. Yeah. So uh, look, when you're a fast talker, right? Like, like uh, farmer swampy is, you are going to appeal to a lot of people. So it's no shock that a fast talker is appealing to a lot of people. That's how snake oil salesmen sold their snake oil, right? That's how they made a living. There would be no such thing as snake oil salesmen if they weren't good at their job. That's how a used car salesman does so well. There are some used car salesmen out there who are wealthy, right? Because they're good at what they do. Now, they often sell lemons, but they know how to do it. They know how to make people buy shit. Whether it's the snake oil salesman or the used car smells, and they're good. Not everyone can do it now. I'm not saying it's easy. And Vivek is a very skilled snake oil slash used car salesman. Whether you want to talk about something of the past in the old west or the current day. That's why I like to call him a used car salesman. Some young people don't even know what a snake oil salesman is. Unless you like Westerns, but same thing. But you have to be good at it. And he's great at it. Not okay. Great. Do I want him anywhere near the Oval Office? No. Maybe to sell shoes. Maybe to sell a product. Maybe to sell a vacuum cleaner. Sure. But not to be president of the United States. But it's no shock that, once again, you're talking about a party that there is a good number of people who still buy Trump's garbage, who still buy Trump's shtick. So they're going to buy Vivek, who's younger and talks even better than Donald Trump. It's not a, so it's not a shock to me. People say, my God, Mike, he's so easy to see through. What a slime ball. And I say, yeah, to many of us, to you and I, but to many Republicans, this works. So the question is, once again, we will see. We will see who the Republican Party is. This is a great litmus test. Are they the party of the cult of Trump, right, slash pharma swampy? <laughs> or are they 
the party of of Ron DeSantis, of of um, of normalcy, right? Of re- of true conservatism. We shall see. Are they the party of a cult of personality that buys into used car salesman tactics, or? Do they actually care about real issues and getting real things done and someone who can get those real things done? We'll see. Long way to go. Long way to go. Okay, here's a good moment. This is important. And this is about talking about the past or the, the, what the Democrats want Republicans talking about or what we should be talking about. Is this what we're going to be focusing on going forward? The rehashing of this? I'll tell you, the Democrats would love that. We will win if we let them get away with it. That's that's right there. That's exactly the difference between winning and losing, right? That you either let the Democrats control the narrative, right? which is talking about the past in January 6th and insurrections and and voting in 2020. And, oh, I was stolen. It was stolen from me. I'm such a martyr. I'm such a victim. Or do you talk about the past, the, the present, the problems with this country, the things Democrats have gotten wrong, the thing Biden has gotten wrong? Do you talk about the Democrats and the Biden's record or do you rehash old Republican old talking points that Democrats want us talking about? about how awful Republicans and Trump is and Trump voters are. And I think Chris was a Chris Christie brought up a good. Uh, the resentments of the past, let's put it this way, the resentments of the past or the possibilities of the future. Which way do you want to go? That's what Ron DeSantis is talking about and talking about the resentments of the past or what Democrats want, it gets them another victory. Talking about the prom, the, the 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 promising future, what the future holds, is what what wins these kinds of elections. Period. But Chris Christie brought up something good where Trump said something about suspending the Constitution. He did, he did that whole thing with Trump and Pence. There's one clear winner there, Mike Pence. Mike Pence did the right thing. Period. And anyone on that stage, <clears throat> Vivek, who doesn't believe Mike Pence did the right thing, is full of shit, okay? And they don't believe in the Constitution. And Trump did say suspend the Constitution. In other words, Trump believes in suspending the Constitution for him. For him. And he did say that. It's on record. Shall we play it? And Chris Christie was totally right about that. It's the Constitution first. Trump 100,127th. And that's what Chris Christie said, and that's what Mike Pence said. I put the Constitution first, not one person. And the only way you wouldn't echo that sentiment is if you are a Trump shill, if you are Trump 2.0, if you are there, if you are there basically to hurt Ron DeSantis as much as possible and help Donald Trump. And that's Vivek Swampy. So what it really comes down to, well, here's a little bit, here's a little clip of, uh, this is a 10 second clip that never backed down, put together of a uh, farmer swampy tonight. It's only 10 seconds. Listen closely. 
climate change is also real. I'm not denying the under reality of the underlying reality that global surface temperatures are going up and in part due to human activity. So if you couldn't hear it, what he said at the beginning of that on the debate stage is climate change is a hoax. Then going back to a video not too long ago where he said it's real. Vivek Ramaswamy says, Pharmaswampy says what he needs to say at that moment to get out of the room alive. In other words, to appeal to the crowd he's talking to, right? And as Mike Pence, was it Chris Christie? I think it was Mike Pence said in, in, in Farmer Swampy's book, he <laughs> criticized Trump up and down in that book. And now he's kissing his ass. In other words, he said negative things about Donald Trump, how horrible Donald Trump was. And yet, oh, certainly in that book, there were enough criticisms of Trump to believe the person writing that book certainly didn't think this guy was the best president of the 21st century. And now he's saying he was the best president of the 21st century. So he's full of shit. He's a liar. Look, it's politics. You expect this. In other words, politics invites people like this into the fray, right? Politics in this country allows people like this to be elevated, right? Fake people, fake prophets, demagogues. Unfortunately, our system here does that. It allows for people like this to become prominent. Where other countries, it's much not, not impossible, but much more difficult. And that's what Vivek Ramaswamy is. Ramaswamy. I can't remember. The fake Ramaswamy. Uh, there was other good moments in the in the debate. Uh, I think when DeSantis talked about Biden being on the beach while people are suffering, and he knows about that because of hurricanes in Florida and the way you have to be there. You have to be there, uh, and you have to help. Uh, so that was a good moment also. Here's a good one. Okay. And this, of course, this is right in DeSantis's wheelhouse. This is the best moment, and it's going to be the best moment for him throughout this entire campaign and every debate. And this is talking about accountability and COVID. Here's the thing. Why are we in this mess? Part of it and a major reason is because how this federal government handed COVID-19 by locking down this economy. It was a mistake. It should have never happened. And in Florida, we led the country out of lockdown. We kept our state free and open. And I can tell you this, as your president, I will never let the deep state bureaucrats lock you down. You don't take somebody like Fauci and coddle him. You bring Fauci in, you sit him down, and you say, Anthony, you are fired. Here's the thing. This is, he was really on tonight. And you can see what his thing is. He's a policy nerd. He loves policy and he knows policy inside out. And he knows all the issues inside out. He's not really into being flashy or styling. He just believes in policy and staying on message and being passionate about that. And you can see that. That's what he was. He was in his own world tonight of being on policy, on target, on message, and not getting involved in that other weird debate, uh, other debate stuff we see all the time. It's not really weird because we see it all the time where they shout at each other, right? And they say, you're this and you're that, and you're not good enough for this, and you're a liar here and you're a liar there. You expect that in a debate. But they were all shouting around the guy in the center who didn't get involved in any of it. And that does take a lot of um, good debate prep. It really does.
and sticking to the debate prep, right? It really does, because that's the human nature, especially when you're a politician, is to say, oh, I, I want in on this argument, right? I want in on this. I want to talk about this. I want to give, give let me, where's my 20 seconds, right? Don't you, you always hear them say that when everyone's yelling, where's my 20 seconds on this? Well, DeSantis is polished enough to know there was no reason to get his 20 seconds on that infighting, on that shouting going back and forth, on them tearing each other apart. Just wait until it's your turn to answer a question, answer it, and go on. And that's what he did. That's what he did. You know, he's banking on people, even in the Republican Party, finally wanting an adult to run this nation. I think he's, it's a good thing to bank on these days. You know, I want an adult. Pence has a little bit of that, but he's, once again, he's got, he's too old school. He's been around too long. He's more of the past, right? But this whole idea of I'm the adult, I'm sane, you could trust me, is something that Ron DeSantis has in spades. You could trust me to do what I believe is right for the country, that I have morals and values, and I'm not just going to be wishy-washy and say what you want to hear today and then something else next week and something else when I'm president. I'm not going to say I'm going to lock Hillary up because I'm running for office. And then when I'm president, say, oh, that was a campaign thing. I'm not doing that. I'm not going to say I'm going to build a wall and have the Mexico pay for it just when I'm running for office because you want to hear this. And then when I'm elected, there's no wall and there's no Mexico paying for it. I'm not going to say I'm going to drain the swamp because that's what I need to say to get you to vote for me when I'm running for president because that's a popular sentiment among Republicans. And then when I get in office, I'm going to make it even swampier with people like Mnuchin and Fauci and Bolton and so on and so forth, right? So that's what Ron DeSantis is trying to show here. And he keeps on saying, you don't make promises you can't keep. You make promises you can keep. You make realistic promises that you can keep. Not unrealistic promises like Mexico is going to... How stupid was that? I can't believe any Republican ever, ever fell for that crap where a U.S. president is going to make a Mexican president pay for a wall. How? What are you going to do, hold them hostage? What are you going to threaten them? It's so, it was always so stupid. Building a wall, okay, but we're going to have to pay for ourselves. Send engineers down there. Send some kids who need a fucking job. Send prisoners to do the work. That's much more realistic than saying, I'm going to get Mexico to pay for a fucking wall for me. Yeah, what are they going to pay for next? Our health care? Our Amazon orders, it's so stupid. This is what pisses me off about voters. And like I said, we're going to see what the Republican Party is. Is it a party of cult, cult morons, Trump, Swami, Farmer Swampy, Trump, cult morons? Or is it a party of people who are adults and are serious and want someone who's going to get things done? See, that wasn't even a canned speech. Okay, let's see if there's something else. There's so much going on here. We have two more shows this week, tomorrow and Friday, and I'm sure there's more I can talk about, and there's more that's going to happen between now and our show tomorrow. Um, once again, I think it was a great night for DeSantis in that way of being very presidential and above the fray and coming across as the adult in the room with the most experience combined with the uh, victories of getting things done and his discipline is discipline. That's the word of the night for Ron DeSantis. I think I'll end the show on that. 
discipline to stay above the fray and stay on message. Oh, boy. Look, masks is trending now in my my uh, X feed. Masks. Masks. Oh, I guess we'll talk about that again soon. Since I live in California, I might have to talk about it. All right, but that's the, the debate coverage for tonight. Uh, like I said, we'll talk more about it tomorrow night and probably Friday night. And we'll find out what other people are saying and what's happening post-debate and what people think over the next 24 hours. And then we'll talk more about this tomorrow. All right. Remember, the name of this show is And Let's Be Heard. And it airs weeknights, 11 p.m. Pacific, 2 a.m. Eastern time. Okay. Which means I'll see you tomorrow night for a big Thursday night show. But until then, this is Mike Catropoli reminding you that your influence counts. Use it. <laughs>